Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome or welcome back to the Thoughts That Manifest podcast. I'm Elle, and I am a mindset and manifestation coach who aims to inspire you to awaken your mind to the limitless potential that is within you. Welcome back, everyone. Courtney and I are so excited to be back with another episode. In today's episode, we are joined with a special guest, Liz Nygaard. And Liz helps people pleasers manifest a deeper relationship with life using embodiment and shadow integration. And today we are focusing on embodiment, sexuality, and intimacy. So I'm so excited for this episode. Thank you so much, Liz, for coming on to the podcast. We are so excited to have you. Thanks for having me, guys. (laughs) So I guess to start this off, I would love to hear a little bit about what got you into spirituality and where your journey kind of started. Um, That was a while ago. I think my journey always starts like at at a transition period of my life. So I had just graduated college and I just needed like a gap year to just do like I worked at a hospital gift shop. It was a part-time job. It was really just like um, just a mundane job. It was in a hospital. Like I wanted to work in a hospital, which is kind of silly now that I think about it. I wanted to go in the medical field and that was my aspiration of like helping people. I wanted to help people. I just didn't know how. And so I'm like, I'm just going to take a gap year. And I was saving up for a trip to Peru to do a nursing internship in Peru. So I was just working at this gift shop. I'm like, this is what I'm going to do with my year. And this is what it's going to help me get in. Right. And like that whole year, I I started researching like different religions, but they weren't like, it wasn't like Christianity, Judaism, or, you know, is Islam. It was like Wiccan and Santeria and like a bunch of like these just really oddball religions. And I started taking everything in and I was like, wow, there's a lot of like similarities between these stuff. There's something a lot bigger. And so I just kind of went like head first. I like really found an interest and I kept researching and I kept doing stuff. And I went to Peru and I don't know if you guys have ever been or heard anything about Peru, but it is an incredibly spiritual place. I had a host family and I just had signs after signs after signs where I'm like, I'm in the right path. I'm going down the right direction. And my host father, I just didn't see him at all. This is a much longer story. This is actually the short version of the story too. My host father, who I didn't see like the majority of the time, he was always out doing something. And he drove me to work one day. I'm like, so I knew that there were tour guides. I'm like, oh, so where are you guys going? Like that was their, they were both retired, but he was still doing tours and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, where are you going? He's like, well, I do different type of tours. Like I do, I do like kind of spiritual type of tours. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so it, it was just a bunch of stuff like that. I ended up, I did end up going on a tour with him, by the way. And it was just like a bunch of stuff like that, where it's just like, this is just really what I want to do. And at the time too, speaking of sexuality too, at the time, like I really, like that was something that was completely separate. Like I really hadn't dove into that. I had Mm -hmm. embodied more of like the monk type Mm. spirituality type thing where I really, like, I wasn't totally against sex, but it was still something that was very, very hidden and suppressed. And I don't- Very Americanized. Yeah, exactly. Very like Western type of, uh, yeah, it was religious type, type. Yeah, just suppressed. Yeah, just very much suppressed. And so- I grew up in Catholicism, so- Same, yep. 
<laughs> same. Didn't necessarily grow up in Catholicism, but it was still like my grandmother was really Catholic and all of like the family outside my parents, my parents weren't really that, but it's still interesting how we still carry that stuff down. You know, there's still things that my parents, there's like these subconscious things within these patterns, you know, yeah, that, that pop up, you know, <laughs> I definitely can relate to that for sure. The whole like uh, religion thing, because my family's super Christian, but like, I don't even know it's a different branch of christianity where they're like like they're strict they're so strict like you know cut your hair kind of like energy you gotta wear skirts all the time that was like you know what my aunts and my cousins kind of grew up around so when it came to sex and even like you know not even just sex with another person but like masturbation things Mm -hmm. like that that was really taboo and never spoken about ever so whenever that came up it kind of made me feel that that shame right? Mm -hmm. That, ooh, I feel like dirty doing this. Like, ugh. So I think that was how I kind of suppressed my sexuality for a while. And by the way, I'm adding Peru to the bucket list. Me and Courtney have to travel there. (laughs) Yes. And if you want a tour guide, I think he's probably, I'm guaranteed that he's not going to (laughs) retire, retire, but like, I know a really good tour guide. That would be amazing. (laughs) I'm trying to travel more. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Cusco. So I guess kind of speaking of the whole like fear, shame and trauma around who we are as like a sexual being, what has helped you personally work through some of that? So that, that kind of explains a lot of like what embodiment is, is, is really, it's just getting into the body. It's really just like experiencing there's, there's so much more to sexuality than even what we talk about like that. And that was a, that was a big discovery for me too, is that there's so much, in our everyday that would, would, it's still within the realm of sexuality be because there's so much shame around it. We don't talk about it and we don't recognize it. Even saying it, there's kind of like this twinge of like, oh, I can't bring sexuality into certain spaces. I can't bring, you know, I can't like being a sexual being outside the bedroom. Like that's just like, ooh, I don't, you know, like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> or we have like these very like structured ideas struggle of inside. what- yeah, yeah, and that's it. Everything kind of like bleeds in with one another too. Like because we're supposed, I think especially as women, there's this huge stigma where it's like you know you have to be you know a lady in the streets and a freak in the sheets kind mm-hmm. of thing. You know, there's this, a lot of expectation around that, and so there's this aspect of getting into the body and really feeling feeling out what's there and and being able to experience all of it and being able to like own pleasure in in a lot of moments where it can be just like enjoying your food, like eating, like, you know, you don't have to like sexily eat a strawberry, right? But you can like enjoy the sensations, enjoy the flavors. Kind of like getting in touch with your senses. Yes. That's, that's so much. That's literally when I, um, when I have most of my clients, like it's really just pay attention to the senses, paying attention to what your body's doing, Mm. paying attention to being more mindful. Yes. That's, and we go through life, like so distracted. Yeah. And even with that too, like I was actually in a practice earlier today and I was noticing, I'm like, it is impossible to be in pleasure without being present. Like you can't, you can't experience those types of sensations. You can't experience a lot of those things if you're not being present in your body. I struggle with that. And I have to, I'll be like (laughs) the first to admit, like even during like intimacy, sometimes obviously it's not like every time, but there are times where I'm like, why is my mind like so struggling right now to just be so present in this moment? Mm -hmm. And 
I have, I catch Same. myself sometimes doing I that. started thinking about like stuff that just doesn't matter. <laughs> <clears throat> and then like, I was actually telling my husband not that long ago that like, we call it an O face because of like, there's like an internet joke about like, oh, I'm going to show her my O face. <laughs> and it's really funny. If you ever find it online, you should watch it. It's funny. So telling my husband, I'm like, I can't count how many times like I've seen yours, but you can count on your one hand how many times you've seen me because I'm too scared to show you, but you're my husband. Mm-hmm. And I literally have to like think myself into while we're being intimate about how like it's okay for me to be that vulnerable in, in mm-hmm. my own body and in our intimacy to show him because it's a safe space. And I'm just like, how much trauma have I gone through that I have to convince myself this is okay? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I relate to that <clears throat> so much, especially because before my husband, a lot of my relationships were a lot of, I, I, ha- I do have struggles with intimacy because of this, but I've talked about this on the podcast before. This is a very like vulnerable uh, experience essentially, <laughs> but one of my past relationships I was with someone for a while and we were, I was going to have sex for the first time. Mm -hmm. And when we had sex for the first time, it didn't actually happen and found out later on in the relationship after he broke up with me that he was actually into men and not into women. And he was kind of like hiding that, suppressing that. And so I had felt really rejected in the relationship at the time, not realizing that like, you know, it has nothing to do with me. It's more so just like him trying to figure out who he is and what he likes. And it took me a while to work through that because of course I had people at school being like, oh my gosh, this is all your fault. He's, you know, gay, whatever. And that was just Plus he was really, he was really verbally and emotionally abusive because to you, because he wasn't processing his own sexuality yes because he would try to like have sex with me when he was super drunk and that was the only time he would want to and I would say I'd rather not right now and then he would just be like oh my gosh you're such a whore and I'm like that doesn't make any sense (laughs) it doesn't make any (laughs) sense at all what but yeah so that was the kind of like rejection wound that I have and a lot of that of course stems from just like feeling rejected by parents even like hugs right like that emotional love and support from a parent that you want to receive and you know my family never really was touchy-feely like hug wise or like mm-hmm. emotional like that right very like cold detached yeah I think mine stems from like so I never felt comfortable being a sexual being because we grew up and Lauren knows this with a stepdad who is emotionally and sexually abusive and so you know, we we didn't want to wear shorts past a certain length or wear shorts yeah. at all. We didn't want to wear anything less than a t-shirt. And if he was coming home and we knew we would change our clothes, like I locked my door at night, crazy stuff. So I think there was a lot of like shame in my mind that built around sexuality because my first introduction to it is someone who is an abuser. And so I'm like, oh, this mm-hmm. is this is a bad thing because people abuse it. And that's still not untangled in this brain. Right, right. That goes a lot into like how I tie in shadow work as well. And what shadow work actually is. I think you guys, uh, want, we talked about like what shadow work actually is or wanting to know more about what it is. Yeah, and for yeah. people who don't know what it is, a lot of what shadow work is, is that subconscious 
patternings, like all of the things and things that I've understood too, is that so much of the subconscious lies in the body. So many things that like reactions, I mean, you think about like your own body, like as a natural thing, so much of it is subconscious. You don't need to think about it in order for your heart to beat your lungs to breathe. You don't have to think about those things. It's subconscious. And like your body stores all of that memory too. So you can think through things, but the, the mind only knows what it knows. It's the processor. And this is the thing that takes things in. This is the, the your body's the thing that can, can actually alchemize a lot of that stuff too. And so what shadow work is, is kind of being able to bring, I don't want to say bring up the shadow to me, like the embodiment and shadow work piece is alchemizing those subconscious pieces, those subconscious, you know, beliefs. A lot of it is just feeling it. A lot of the, the, a lot of what I take people through is just really just feeling it. You don't have to play it out in your mind all the time. You don't have to go back and analyze like what happened or anything like that. It's really just being able to feel those experiences out. I feel like it reminds me a lot of like trauma breath work. Um, mm-hmm. I had yeah, a friend a who went to India to learn yoga. And mm-hmm. so now she's like a in yoga instructor, but she learned like a lot of other things similar to Peru. She said that she had a very spiritual trip and she introduced me to the concept of like what breath work was along mm-hmm. with, I think, Lauren. And I'm just not good about doing it and prioritizing <laughs> it, but it would be, it, it's like really helpful because I've, I've seen so much online about how you can release the stored energy that your body has been yep. traumatized with. Yep. Yep. I do something similar. So my main practice that I use is called self-pleasure. I think a lot of people think of the word self-pleasure, like you guys, there might be, maybe it's masturbation, right? <laughs> that's like, that's might be the first thing that you think of, um, especially when we talk about sexuality, especially because sexuality and intimate, or I don't necessarily use sexuality a lot in my words. I like using the word intimacy because I feel like it's a good blanket yeah. for a lot of things. It can be relationships. It can be sexual and in yeah. Um, yep, exactly. I think a lot of people think of the word pleasure and they just automatically yes, assume that's that right. it's sex, like sex oriented. Mm-hmm. And I think there needs to be more conversations among us adults about normalizing that that's not the only thing that it can be. Yes. Like me and my husband talk about that all the time about like, we need to be intimate but not sexually. Mm. Right, right. And it, it when you kind of open it up that way too, when you don't, when you kind of let, I'll introduce first self-pleasure. That's what, that's what I was saying. My, the modality that I use is the self-pleasure modality. And it's really just sound breath, movement, and touch. So breath work is kind of part of it. I'm not a certified breath work. I haven't been taught actually a lot of breath work. I'm a yo- certified yoga instructor, but I haven't done, like I know like some pranayama exercises, but I don't normally bring them up in practices because a lot of what self-pleasure is, is you being able to guide yourself in what feels good for you, like what feels right for you and listening to the body and, and creating a dialogue, quotation, quote, dialogue around with like with your body and what's happening with the body and it's like, and and being able to dive into the practice yourself. And on the, the topic of pleasure too, what I've witnessed being in my in my line of work is incredibly broad because self-pleasure can be like, I remember the first time that I, <laughs> I remember the first time I got my uh, certification certification from the Institute of New Paradigm Intimacy. And we have to like witness each other in the practices to become a better facilitator. We witness each other. And so I, my first exchange with somebody like hers was very like almost meditative. She only made some small movements and s- some small breaths. And so I had her go first. And then I went and I was like, <sighs> I was just screaming and throwing and just punching. And it was 
because that's just what I felt my body was just all this like pent up anger and pent up expression. Um, And it was yeah. And she's like, do you do that all the time? I'm like, no, it doesn't always look like that. But that's just what I really needed today. It's just, it's just been yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think even when it comes to like relationships too, like what I'm really, really passionate about, like all relationships, like I, I love, I love love, like I love romantic relationships, but even just the other ones, being able to to share that intimacy and share that true expression for me is like, is really, really beautiful and really meaningful. And so being able to show up with your O face, right. But also, (laughs) you know, being able to, to show up in like your, and your most vulnerable and being able to cry and, and being able to fully express yourself in, in your true form, taking accountability for it. Right. You're not like, and consent and communication, like all of that's involved. So you're not like trauma dumping on somebody or you're or emotionally dumping. That's the better word. I should say that happens more often. Lauren, right? Lauren is an attractor for that. <laughs> that I am. She that attracts is. that energy. Well, mm-hmm. and you know, what's interesting is because you talk about to like people pleasing. Mm-hmm. I feel like that has always been my number one struggle is people pleasing wanting to make everybody happy, wanting to keep the peace, being that, like wanting to be that safe space for everybody in my life. But then at the same time, struggling with setting boundaries so that I'm not draining myself emotionally, Mm -hmm. because it's so easy for me, like when people come to me with their problems to to absorb all of their energy. And then all of a sudden I get off the phone call with them or something. And I'm like, wow, I feel like I can't do anything now. Like I feel Mm -hmm. exhausted. And so how do you, like what, kind of practices do you have for someone who maybe struggles with that as well to kind of like reground your energy? Yeah. So a lot of what I feel like when I work with clients, a lot of what it is to me, from my experience, it's been like the the shadow of that, the shadow, the, the way that I kind of visualize shadows, it's, it's like, you have all this stuff in storage that you don't, you have a nice curated house with all of your favorite things and things you'd love to show people. Right. And all of, you know, you have like all the nice things on the wall and all the things that you're proud of. Like that's where you show your best self. I think for people pleasers, this is a really big thing too, because we want to be liked so much. This is all, everything you talked about, I struggle with, you know, it's still constant struggle, but the practices that I really come down to is like going to the storage unit all the way across town of things that you don't want to look at, but sometimes come knocking on your door. Like, Hey, somebody's like, can I borrow a cup of sugar? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, my sugar's all the way across town. And I have to go back and dig those things out. Right. And they, they come knocking on your door as like inner demons, right. Or like things where he's like, Oh, I don't want this to show up and you feel uncomfortable. So a lot of preventative care type stuff is owning that sometimes you can be a shitty person. Sometimes mm-hmm. like people aren't going to like you. Yeah. Can you deal with the discomfort in your body when that happens? If you said no to somebody mm-hmm. like, Hey, listen, the I fight know. Or flight. Yes. The fawn is my favorite one. Cause I feel like that's a big one where it's like, like noticing maybe like that, that feeling in your stomach where it's like, I've been down this road before. I know that my cup is running on empty. And I know that my friend that I, cause I've been through this too, can be especially hard when you have like a friend who's going through it somebody you really, really care about. And somebody like, I really want to be there for you, but I cannot help you right now. Right. Or even like your significant other where it's like, I'm having a really rough time. This is a part of intimacy too, is being able to take care of yourself. So being able to notice like what's going on in your body and being like, listen, proper communication, right? Where it's like, Hey, I'm feeling X, Y, Z. Can I give you a call tomorrow? Um, 
my brother has been my guinea pig for a lot of personal guinea pig for a lot of stuff like that because he calls all the time. He calls me all the time. Like, hey, can I talk to you about stuff? Hey, can I talk to you about stuff? And he's much younger than me. So a lot of like, it can't be reciprocated in the same way. Like I, you know, and also like I'm well-trained in a lot of things of being in a counseling people. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, sometimes he can't handle the same mice. I don't feel like he can't, that could also be a people pleasing thing, but I feel like the skills that I've developed may be different. I'm sure you guys can kind of relate to where it's like, I think people pleasers can kind of relate where they're used to people coming to them for a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. There's like um, guilt for me yes. with the people pleasing thing. Like if I have a boundary about like basically anything, I feel guilty. <laughs> like when I put the boundary down and then someone tries to use like manipulation and guilt to get me to do it anyway, because that's how my mom operated my whole life. It was yeah. like, oh, she would want something I didn't even if I didn't want to do it, even if I had the capacity, but I just don't want to do it. I don't think I should have to. I don't think anyone should have to because that's, <laughs> that's a, I think it's abusive. <laughs> and like using that tactic of guilt and manipulation and get people to do that anyway. Like I just, I, I just worked, I worked nights as a ICU nurse and I worked two nights of my three nights. And the second night I was like coughing, like dry coughing all night long. And I'm like, okay, I probably shouldn't work this third day. I feel worse. And let me call out. And when I called out, the charge nurse was like asking me all these strange questions that like, to my knowledge, she's not supposed to ask me about like, when was the last time I called out? Why am I calling out? And like berating me. And I'm like, Uh, unless you want me to physically like come into an ICU and cough on people like I'm not coming in I'm actually sick this is my boundary I am sick I'm not coming in if if you're concerned about my attendance why don't you bring it up to my manager (laughs) because I've I've called this is like the first time I've called out in like three months right and I was but then like I literally ended up texting Lauren and I was like crying and freaking out because I have that mentality of the the trauma and the guilt of like now I feel guilted Like Mm -hmm. I I can't even rest while I'm sick because there's like that tactic of like manipulation and guilt hidden behind that questioning of like, I can't believe you're calling out. Right. Yeah. Like, gosh, that's what it seems like. That's, that's those (laughs) opportunities too, especially if you have like, like breath work and stuff like that, like being able to kind of use those to be able Mm -hmm. to move through it. Like that's usually when I bring in self-pleasure. Sometimes it is meditation and I have other practices too, like yoga and um, yeah, yoga and meditate different types of meditation, but that's one, especially where I bring in self-pleasure that sound breath movement and touch and being able to process a lot of this stuff. Cause sometimes you just need a good cry. I don't know. Or sometimes you just need a good, like that's, that's a lot of me is just having a good cry. Like that's that's mostly that's the cure for ninety percent of my of this. I honestly love someone who can have a good cry because I feel <laughs> like we've been way too conditioned to believe that crying makes you weak and that mm-hmm. you just need to suppress that. But then you find out later down the line that it's actually just storing that trauma mm-hmm. within your body, and then it's going to come out in triggers and you react different ways like I've because I've suppressed a lot of my emotions as a kid I've noticed I think it was like last year and the year before that everything in my life just kept triggering me and I would cry over what felt like nothing but I was Mm -hmm. like actually maybe I'm actually not crying over nothing right now I'm crying over a lot that I'm trying to process from the past too that Mm -hmm. I've never actually processed yep Exactly. Well, it kind of goes like, um, I don't know if it was you, Lauren, or someone else, but I saw it on like, or if you sent me like a TikTok or something, because I'm not on TikTok, where there was like someone who was talking about how like, if you have a burning sensation in your body, it's stored anger. Ooh. And one of the things that they recommended 
<clears throat> sorry, my allergy slash whatever sickness is coming out. Um, <laughs> and they were like, just punch a pillow, like punch it as hard yep. as you can. And the, the actual burning sensation will go away. And I remember like the first time I did it and I texted Lauren and I was like, this is so crazy. Yep. It actually went away. It actually yep. worked. And I'm like, what am I storing in my body? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I feel like that it's not, I, I feel like it comes to a certain point where it's just like, you're not even storing it in your body. You're just like having an emotion, you know, it's, it could be just, I don't, yeah, I'm sure if you're having that pain, like I'm making assumptions, but I'm sure if you're experiencing <laughs> that pain somewhere in your body, but it is, that's why I, I really got, I really love a lot of like all of the work that I do now, because it is really that magical where it's like alchemizing different stuff in the body where I was, uh, I was in a practice the other night. And I remember during my one year hiatus, I did, I did acid once there's a hidden shame around drugs, I guess that I still hold, but I did acid and I was in my room and I remember something that I hadn't experienced before was like this feeling of like, Oh my gosh, is this what it's like to take up space? You know, it's like, Oh my gosh, this feels amazing. Right. It was just, recognition where it's like, oh, I don't take up that much space that often. And that was like years ago that I, that's like six to some, seven years ago that that happened. And I was like in my room in the practice the other night and I was, had music on and I was in my self-pleasure practice. I was just like dancing around and I'm like, oh my God, this is like so nostalgic because it was, I'm like acknowledging sober my, sober me, right. Being able to take up that space and, and how even back then, like how much tension in my shoulders that I was holding and how much like movement my hips that I have now because I've been able to open up so much so many different parts of my body now I actually love how you said you know sober me was able to take up space like that because Mm -hmm. I feel like I can kind of relate to that where like I don't let myself loose unless I'm like sipping on alcohol or Mm -hmm. something and it's like there's this like yeah you know depending the same way though that's why we're best friends yeah (laughs) depending on who I'm around but it's like kind of getting comfortable with being who you are and embracing who you are without needing to rely on anything else outside of you to make you feel comfortable to do that yes bringing I feel like for me it's bringing back in the confidence that I had as like a kid where I would like go to like a dance and I would just dance because I liked it and I liked the music and I I just did whatever I did because I took up space and it felt good yeah without the worry of the judgment of what the other people who were there thought about me while I was doing it Wow, I wish as a kid I was like that, but I, I know <laughs> I, I was for like a short window. I feel and like then, but like now I do it with Trev, my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, like sometimes like we'll be kind of tired, but we'll wake up and I'll put on like music and we'll dance around the house and be goofy. And I'm like, it's great intimacy to do with a partner. Yeah, and yep. you just kind of like riff back and forth off of each other being goofy. Yep. But also like you're both taking up space in your home and you're both comfortable enough to take up the space and take up the space around around each other which I really like yeah I love that I love that too yeah one thing for me that like because Josh and I like my husband will do that too sometimes and I love I love how goofy he is because he's so goofy he's so funny (laughs) I love it and that just shows to me that he's comfortable being himself around me which I think is great Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing that I've always struggled with when it comes to like intimacy with any like with any partner in the past, but you know, still I've been married to him for almost two years now and I've been with him since I was 17. And yet I still struggle to find confidence in myself to make the first freaking move. And I don't know why. I, I just I don't know why. Why is mm-hmm. it that I struggle so much? I think much? you do know why. Well, yeah. Okay. Rejection wounds, whatever. Yeah. All yeah. that. 
that's the issue. That's truly the issue. And it's like, can I get out of my own head to the point where it's like, if I make the first move and I am rejected, that it's not the end of the world. And it's not that like, what if he doesn't reject me? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's all working through that kind of fear that I have that I still struggle with. But I think it's so important to like have that confidence. And yeah, I think it's like being able to value. I, I foresee it as like, when you you'll be okay when you can reach a place however you process it where you can value yourself for your own intimacy and sexuality and Mm -hmm. understand that you have that you have first of all you have power in that because you're female for sure and then secondly that like you're allowed to have it and if someone else isn't able to receive it that's not necessarily a reflection of you yeah and then sometimes the idea too that it's okay like if your partner can't give you what you're looking for maybe you should go give it to yourself well yeah and that's another thing (laughs) like the self-pleasure and things like that and it's also like I think too a lot of the times our relationships can reflect the relationship that we have with ourselves. and a lot of us I feel like don't know ourselves intimately enough because we're so afraid to like spend time alone or be alone and we're always like it's that codependency right like that you try to break free from which is really hard because growing up even like we rely so much on our parents to like give us our needs and meet our needs and things yeah. like that it's like we lack trust in ourselves we look towards external things to make decisions for us it's it's a whole struggle that I've definitely come to realize through my spiritual journey and through my healing journey is just I need to learn how to be okay with being more intimate with myself yes. and then as that happens then that will start to be reflected back to me in the relationship I have intimately with other people around me even like intimacy within friendships, being vulnerable with friends, you know, like. Yes. I, so I started, I, I started another job, ironically working in relationships, <laughs> talking about relationships and sex in schools and, and high school. And uh, I was like, I was thinking about like, okay, what would high school advice me want myself to know? What, what do I want to know? What do I want my high school self to know that I didn't know now? And I think there's another reason why I love self-pleasure so much and love like that aspect. I've, I've talked to other facilitators was like, oh, do you want to try this? Or have you done this? Have you learned about this? And I'm like, I really, I really like self-pleasure. I really like this aspect because that's where a lot of that depends. I think for women, especially because we it's not as we don't, it's not talked about as much, even just female pleasure in general, it's not really talked about as much, but that would be one thing that I'd want. There's, I would have to have a deep, long conversation with high school me, but it would be a lot of learn how to self-pleasure, <laughs> learn, learn about your body, learn about what feels good for you. Oh, you had mentioned something else about like showing up in relationships. I actually, I have a, I'm in the middle of my program relating beyond duality where we kind of break down that relation, the different relationships. And a lot of what I really wanted for that course too, is to go even beyond like those romantic relationships and being able to show up and being able to even get like certain needs met, like in friendships and stuff like that. I was very fortunate a couple of years ago to have like a really tight knit group of people that like, I didn't even realize of like certain needs were being met where I'm like, I've, I have really cuddly friends. I love the fact that I have cuddly friends because we satisfied a lot of those. We were all single for a long period of time. So there's a lot of things that we were still able to kind of, you know, having the deep conversations and having like intimacy in other ways that was just really, really beautiful. And yeah, I feel like, and I feel like it, 
there there's relating beyond duality too is like also deconstructing what we think we're supposed to do in certain relationships where it's like this is saved just for my partnership this is saved for just for my friendships this is what I do with this person but really mm-hmm. like being able that to rigidness. look at Yes. Yes. Being able to like totally break things down and see like the potential and everything rather than like what it's supposed to be. That's all. I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> too. Yeah. I'm definitely a big fan of that too. Yeah. Because I do think that there's all of these, the outside noise, society, all of that, that tells you how you're supposed to show up in a relationship and like, this is how it's supposed to happen X, Y, and Z. Even like when you think about like marriage, sometimes I even used to go back and forth with this whole like idea of like, wow, marriage is such a very like societal thing where it's like, you know, you should get married and devote your life to this one person and that's it and whatever else, which I think the intimacy of that one-on-one relationship, of course, like I'm into that, that's, but I feel like it's so looked down upon when somebody maybe doesn't share that similar view and like, yeah, somebody doesn't want to get married, you know? Mm -hmm. Or the concept that like, if you get married, your partner is like your priority. Like I had Lauren, Lauren did our vows at our wedding. And I had her write them in a very specific way where we did vows about instead of codependency, we talked about co-commitment and that concept. And I listened to a whole book about co-commitment over codependency before we got married, even though similar to Lauren, we've been together a very long time because my husband has very specific hobbies that he likes to do. I obviously have different things that I like to do. And so to me, I was like, even though we're getting married, I want it to always be a partnership. And it's so interesting because we meet people out in the world who we work at like the same hospital and we meet a lot of the same people. And they're like, who does the cooking? Who does the cleaning? And we're like, we smash that shit together. (laughs) We do do all the cooking together. We do all the cleaning together. Like it's too much for one person. Plus then we spend less time doing it and we spend that time together, whether it's fun or not, we can make Mm -hmm. it fun. But the concept of like how rigid the relationships are supposed to be and who does what. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. why? Why can't like make it? I've always been kind of a rebel with the red hair. So I'm just like, I'm just going to make it. I'm going to make it my own thing. (laughs) I love that. I love that. I feel like my experience with it has been different. I feel like I'm now coming into this place where I don't want to say that monogamy isn't necessarily where like even like with the relating beyond duality course, a lot of what that kind of shattered to is like is putting uh, there's a huge conversation between like monogamy and polyamory. Right. And a lot of what I've talked about, too, and the values of like being able to get your needs met. Even if it's just like cuddling, knowing what your desires are, knowing what your needs are when it comes to relationships within certain things and what you desire and what I guess you're capable of receiving and stuff like that and being able to deconstruct it and create what is really what really works best for you and the people around you, right? So being able to have those conversations and being able to expand and grow more based on whatever, again, a totally individual for you, like whatever works best for you and this other person, like if you're in a partner partnership and you notice like there's a certain desire that comes up where it's like we have this idea of monogamy and what relationships are supposed to look like and I remember I remember talking to my last partner I I was because I started to get these feelings where I'm like I kind of want to like I'm I'm noticing that I'm having like these really like loving affectionate feelings towards my friend and I mean (laughs) I I, I, my partner my last partner he he jumped into knowing what he was getting into I started getting into sexuality and I started doing self-pleasure and we started I started witnessing my men and women in self-pleasure so he knew that there was there was some boundaries that were already kind of being that would have normally been crossed in 
in other relationships, yeah. you know, if, uh, in monogamous relation, traditional, like what we consider, I don't, I totally blow this word traditional monogamy out of the water because nobody knows what it means. It doesn't necessarily mean other things. Self-define it. Like I was saying. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Even like, I don't even, Lauren and I had a whole podcast where like, we talk about how we don't even like the labels because, Mm -hmm. because it just puts all this societal pressure on you to be what society wants you to be. Like I have a friend who is lesbian. She married a girl and we were having a conversation about like how she's, she was attracted to both guys and girls. Yeah. And this is like after I went to college and everything. And I finally was like, you know what? If I'm like being honest with myself, I'm also attracted to both girls <laughs> and boys. But I just married a man because he's the right. He was like literally my best friend. And I was like, I just want to spend every day hanging out with you. Like, let's yeah, just kick I love it. That. <laughs> let's I just think kick it. a lot of people probably can relate to that. But there's probably so much like for some reason, like people want to shame themselves for feeling that way. Yeah, I did my whole life. I never could admit that I was like, I found girls attractive. Yeah, because there's just so much like shame and guilt behind it due to like that societal, like whatever's considered the societal norm. And then the conditioning behind the family that you grew up, you grew up in, like having Mm -hmm. a really religious family that would also add the additional guilt, shame around that. Right. Well, even like me and my husband had conversations about like, pornography and how that plays into like our intimacy and how like honestly for my for my sake when he's not really watching a lot of pornography it adds it actually adds to our intimacy because if he's watching it too much he's not as connected to what we're doing while we're doing it Mm -hmm. but for me it does the opposite but for me I watch more like female driven yeah because I don't find the hyper masculine very appealing you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. it's not that I don't want to pleasure my male partner but I feel like a lot of that kind of like the whole industry as a general like I remember saying to someone I'm like I just want to create a female porn company made by Mm -hmm. females for females with like what with what we desire like men who come and deliver us a hot pizza and like (laughs) do whatever we want not like that whole concept of like okay like I'm a guy but I'm here to serve you like what do you want me to do and I I actually told my husband I was like I actually find erotica more stimulating than pornography because erotica is more stemmed towards females and like getting more Mm -hmm. in touch with your body and your partner and that intimacy than just like shooting on someone's face (laughs) yeah I'm not really into that (laughs) (laughs) I you want to know what like I I think I've like watched porn like for I tried it like I had like a month or two where I'm like okay let's 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 see what we can find you know yeah, let's see what let's, like everybody keeps talking. Yeah, everybody keeps talking about this thing. Let's see what. And I, I, I think I remember like having per- previous partners show me stuff, or even like roommates giggle at like roommates in college giggle at like I gotta show you this kind of thing. But I during that period I was like, it was so difficult because it's like if you wanted anything past seven minutes, like you just couldn't get it. I'm like, like my pleasure last goes way, way beyond seven minutes. I need something else. And I found like one video that was 45 minutes and it was exactly that. And I have never seen anything else that was, that was similar. That was anything like that. I just, yeah, I just, I had a hard time with it. The other thing that I think is important too, that like, it's really interesting for like masculine energy is my husband was raised by both of his parents, but Primarily, he had a lot of emotional support from his mother. So he's very, like, nurturing and attentive to, like, 
female energy. So he's the first person I've ever been with intimately who is like concerned with while we're being intimate, am I enjoying myself? Is what he mm-hmm. is, is he making the experience just as exciting for me and the more excited I get the more he does I've never seen that in other men and I've never heard other men like have like been a fly on the wall and heard like bro talk I've never I don't hear that and it's like you guys wonder why you can't get with women at all and you're single and you're struggling because maybe you should prioritize someone other than yourself <laughs> I, I work with those. yeah I work with a lot of men too and I feel like there's there's actually like I feel like stigma in general and and cultural polarities in general that's my third month of relating beyond duality we talk about like cultural like how we're affected in our relationship with cultural culture as a whole right and being able to kind of create from a space of what's what's present and being able to have a different relationship with that going I wanted to add to going back to like the being attracted to different people and kind of shattering that too um I was talking to one of my gay friends or like a while back he he was actually like a mutual friend of a friend he was like an acquaintance more than anything we got to talking and he's like I'm actually attracted to women too, but it's just so much easier saying that I'm gay, mm. but people, we don't have to go into this conversation because even when it comes to bisexuality, which is <laughs> very non-boundary, especially for guys where it's either you're straight or you're gay. I got that. Like I, I opened up to my mom when I was, when I was in high school about being bisexual and she's like, oh, it's just a phase. You're going to end up picking oh. one or the other. And I'm like, if I'm in a monogamous relationship, yeah, I'm going to pick one or the other, but I'm still yeah, attracted yeah, to both. Right? Choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was really interesting hearing from his perspective and and hearing from men's perspective in general i feel like i feel like the the men that i've worked with they they want a lot of the same things but it's it's getting past like there there's such especially because we live in like more of a hyper masculine society like it's it's so much harder to get through like a lot of those those shadows the subconscious things that are coming up around like attraction and even even like pleasure in general and emotions it's it there's a lot more i end up working with them a little bit longer than i do a lot of women because we're i think when it comes to relationships and not necessarily yeah there's different when it comes to pleasure like men have no problem getting into pleasure with women they do but when it comes to relationships and stuff like that and being able to incorporate it with somebody else like it's they're yeah they are very different because yeah. of those cultural things and, I, and even when we're speaking of like masculine and feminine energy in general, like I feel like even I can struggle to really tap into like my more feminine side because I struggle so much with, I guess, letting go of control <laughs> and just like being in flow and being in the moment. Even like with like little things, I feel very like masculine, I guess. I'm like, maybe I should go like, like get some nails or something. Maybe that will make me feel a little bit more feminine. Like, I don't even know how to explain it, but I really do feel like I struggle with letting my feminine side just like flow. I don't know if anybody else feels that way, but. Oh, absolutely. I do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm like I raised tomboy. <laughs> I, I resonate a lot with that control piece very, mm. a lot. It's kind of, I guess, a way to feel like we know what the outcome will be is mm-hmm. if we're in control but Certainly. like letting go of control it's like oh my gosh now I don't know what the outcome will be it, it kind of makes me go into that like fear-based mentality where I'm like mm-hmm. fearing what could happen if I let go of control but it's like it's time to just surrender a little bit <laughs> <laughs> yes yes that was the concept learned for my vacation in our brains of us on the beach just drinking margaritas and yeah. not having any schedule we're just going with the oh. flow now 
Yeah, oh my morning. gosh, that's so hard when you're so used to having control. <laughs> I had a free hour the other day and I'm like, that's honestly when I have like the most like, oh, I don't have anything planned. <laughs> what am I going to do? I usually go into a self-pleasure practice is what I do. It happened to me the other day and I I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a pedicure. Right. I have this extra time I'm going to do self-care. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> the concept even of self-care was never talked about like I feel like the there are many good aspects that come out of the internet and the whole concept of self-care and what it is and how it looks to each person individually and how you can define it and how that can also help in these journeys is really helpful because my mom never displayed that but she, I also don't think she understood and knew what it was yeah, which ties into like, I think a lot of that ties into like your self intimacy, knowing yourself well enough to know mm-hmm. what you need on a day to day basis of like, do I need a break? Do I need to go maybe get a massage? Do I not like massage? Do I not like personal touch? Mm-hmm. And you don't if you don't know those things, if you don't give yourself space to know to learn those things. Mm-hmm. Going back to what Lauren was talking about, where it's like having that goal in mind too, like the masculine energy, like if the, that mas- the masculine energy is very goal oriented, right? Mm-hmm. It's like needing to know, planning out, like that's that go, go, go. And when, when talking about like the main difference, when we talk about self-pleasure is that it is not goal oriented. So it can still be a very sexual practice. I like talking about the other things, right. Where it's, it's more, it can be emotions. It can be anger. It, it can be pleasure. It can be sexual. It can be dirty. It can be, it literally, it is endless, but the main thing that it is not that makes it different than masturbation is that it is not goal oriented. So even taking orgasm off the table when it comes to your own self-pleasure and being able to even incorporate that into the bedroom if you're with an intimate partner can be a really, really magical experience. And what I found is there's, there's different type, there's more pleasure, right? There's even when you take orgasm off the table, like you experience, like you're not like, fixated on that goal of getting yes, the orgasm. end goal. Yeah. Yes, yes. I and love being that. able to being able to in 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 that practice, like a lot of a lot of coaches, and even if you follow different sex coaches, that's a lot of so many of them are going to tell you to take orgasm off the table because you actually experience again that sense of release. And it's exactly what an orgasm is. It's that spiritual concept of like letting go of the intention and being, and it actually being able to come to you, which is very, very, very much the feminine. I it's just being it. present and and just following that path and being present with the pleasure and seeing where that takes you. So if anybody wants homework, anybody listening wants homework, this is what, that's what your self-pleasure practice homework yes. is going to be, is taking it. orgasm off the table. I'm going to add that to my list. <laughs> Right. I feel like I've been like not realizing that I'm that we've been like doing that by but doing it for a little while now where like I go into it like not trying to be with the intention of being more present for like the intimacy factor and then that concept of like what's our end goal because I feel like sometimes as a female sometimes I think and tell me if I'm wrong but you like I've had so many not with my husband, but with like other previous male partners where like they wanted to have sex. I didn't want to have sex. I felt obligated because I'm in that relationship with them as their partner. And then the whole time we're there, I'm not present like body or mind. And mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for it to be over. I'm waiting for that end goal. Mm-hmm. Whereas like with my husband now, it's it's different. And so I'm more focused on what we're doing and how it feels and being close to him. That when half the time when, when it ends, I'm like, why is it over? Yeah. I'm like, why? Well, that's not, that's not fun. 
Yeah. <laughs> I would think that it would be so important to just, I feel like that could be a people pleasing thing is where you have sex, even yes. when you don't want to just to yes. make a person happy, but then you're not enjoying yourself. Well, I never realized until the internet and Instagram and everything where like I started following different like mental health accounts where it was talking about, and I had the conversation with my husband. I was like, you know, if you like are with a partner and they pressure you to have sex and you don't want to have sex and they keep pressuring you till you have sex, that's technically rape. Yeah, that's definitely. I didn't I didn't understand that concept manipulation and yeah yeah and I think a lot of people experience that sadly I yep I have and that I feel like for me too it's not in previous relationships it was also like yeah that's that fawn the the we were talking about the trauma response is that fawn of like well I just really want him to love me and I really want you know like I really want to make him happy or it's to me, like it was having, I, my body, and this is where, again, like paying attention to what your body is saying and and listening to it Mm -hmm. because going in, my body was saying no, but that was actually my own shadow work that I've done where it's like one part of me really, really wanted to, when I I like working with archetypes too. So my inner, my inner seductress was like, yes, we're going to do it because this is how we receive love where my inner child was like, no, no. And so I think, I think it's important to point out too that sometimes you're still going to get those inner mixed messages. Oh, absolutely. Like of like, okay, do I want to do it or don't I want to do it? Yeah. I struggled with that in the past with a previous relationship as well, where I thought that the only way that this person would want to be with me is if I did have sex. And so I did end up having sex with this person and then they ended up wanting nothing to do with me after. So it like backfired and I was like, oh, so maybe that's not what I'm supposed to do. Yep. And that's where the that's whole like, confusion too. about like, well, how am I supposed to show up intimately in my eyes? And it was, but I was young back then. So yep. when you're young, yep, you kind of learning process. And you're like, let's yep. just do what somebody wants me to do. Even yep. if I don't want to do it. There too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's I think it's a concept that like I I just always got this concept. Maybe it's the early 2000s and 90s, maybe it's just like even before then. The concept of like you're just supposed to be like this obedient girl sexually. And like that's not my personality and that's not what I want to do and like if I'm going to be that way, it's going to be my own choice kind yeah. of thing. You know, <laughs> so it's like that whole concept of like, well, why do I have to be like whatever you define me as? Mm. It's annoying. Exactly. That's why Don't Lauren and I always box. talk about we. Yeah, Lauren and I always talk about we hate labels. This is why. <laughs> Don't put me in a box. Well, yeah. I really enjoyed this conversation. I really Thank did you. too. You guys oh, are awesome. Coming on Thank now. You. Before we head awesome. out, I would love for you to let everybody know where they can follow you, or you know, your website, anything like that that you want to let people know about. The best place to follow me is on Instagram. I'll give you guys the if you want to put it in like the little tag the underneath. Notes, yeah. yeah, the show notes. But yeah, the embodied realist. It's the I have like keep everything there. That's my well curated place to go and I have like my my snip feed and the link in the bio like you can just find everything there awesome perfect well thank you so very much thank you so much thank you guys so much I really had uh these are great conversations this is so much fun (laughs) this is all we wanted (laughs) 